on your feet, maggot. Which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mmm, 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 mmm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. For the recording, gentlemen. Oh no! Okay. Save it for the recording, <laughs> gentlemen. Oh no, he's stuck. In time it was the charm. The recording, he's, he's stuck in it. Oh no! <laughs> Somebody shoot him. Uh, this is Trilove, a literal roundtable podcast uh, about movies we saw or people we met at or through the Trial and Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Thank you so much for listening to it. You can find us on Twitter at Trilove Podcast. You can find the Trilon at Trilon Cinema and at Trilon.org. Lots of cool series coming up. We'll talk about in a minute. But for right now, uh, my name is Jason Daphnis. I fight. That's what I do. And you can find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus. I'm the full metal bitch. And you can follow me in the battle on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. Wow. Uh, podcasting is the great redeemer, the fiery crucible in which the only true heroes are formed. The one place where all men truly share the same rank, regardless of what kind of parasitic <laughs> scum they were going in. I'm Harry Mack and you can find me on Twitter at Shiitake Harry. My name is Aaron, and all respect to Tom Cruise, but I could have killed the Omega, Omega Mimic. Ah, fuck, let me try that again. Yep, yep, yep. <sighs> On your feet, maggot. All respect to Tom Cruise, but I could have killed the Omega Mimic with one try, and you can find me on Twitter at RB Please. Jason, I assume you'll edit he that, just, right? I'm he not. just couldn't say that part in one try. <laughs> he could have done all do that it. other stuff. Just all the other, I mean, I'm more of an action kind I'll just of guy, edit you know, in a gunshot yeah. sound every time we need to redo something. Much like Rita, not a big fan of talking, ironically, since that's what we do yes. here on this thing uh, of ours. We, we have one more thing to do before we actually start talking about the movie, and that's introduce our very special guest, Dan Nagan, uh, the angel of Minneapolis himself, uh, joins us again on Trilove. Welcome, Dan. Thank you for having me back. I'm going to tell you a story. It's going to sound ridiculous. The longer I talk, the more rational it's going to appear. And you can find me on Twitter at AdapterDanMan. I know my handles, Cody. <laughs> he will never not let you live that down. He will never let you live that down. He will never let you live, die, repeat that down. Uh, you no, can just get the gun out and take it from the <laughs> top. It, yeah. Uh, okay. So this is the final se- uh, movie that played as part of the Into the 21st Century series at the trial. And one of my favorites in recent memory, a really good programming slate. Congrats to John and the volunteers and everybody else who helped to make that happen. But it is certainly not the last time you'll get to see a cool series of movies at the trial. And uh, just this year, we've got the Polizio Teschi, the uh, Wayne Wang, Edward Yang, Sam Peckinpah just recently announced a Sam Peckinpah yeah. series later this year, Maggie Chung. And so many more cool Bangers. series to dive into. Yeah, at the Trilon. Check it out at trilon.org. Catch a movie there and then see if you want to catch more like that. If not, hey, there's so much more for you to choose from. Uh, but for right now, nobody has said the actual name of this movie. Uh, and that, I guess we've passed that, that. We've cleared that bar. That means we're ready for the patented Aaron Grossman summary. Take it away, my friend Aaron. Yes, we are talking about, of course, Edge of Tomorrow, a.k.a. Live, Die, Repeat a.k.a. Live, Die, Repeat, colon, Edge of Tomorrow, uh, 2014 film directed by Doug Lyman, uh, based on the Japanese uh, light novel, I guess is the genre. Uh, was not aware that this is a thing, but uh, novels kind of aimed at 
uh, you know, young kind of teenagers. <laughs> we've had very different about... experiences, my friend. <laughs> I, we, we had this, look, uh, this is my first foray into the Wikipedia article on Japanese light novels. Is, uh, is Harry Japanese... familiar with those? I assumed <laughs> oh, everybody I, was. I mean, who could have... <laughs> Who could, who could tell that, right? Um, based on the Japanese no, uh, light novel, All You Need Is Kill by Hiroshi uh, Sakurazaka. Um, film stars Tom Cruise as public affairs officer William Cage, who works with the media to help increase enlistment numbers for the United Defense Force, which is a global military, military organization um, attempting to stop an alien invasion of so-called mimics. Uh, which are aliens that have kind of rapidly taken over most of Europe due to their ability to control time. Um, when he is sent kind of against his will to the front lines of the UDF assault on the aliens, he quickly dies, uh, but not before killing an alpha mimic, uh, which grants him the aliens ability to control time and relive each day. Essentially. Um, he also soon meets uh, Sergeant Rita Vertasky played here by Emily Blunt, who uh, previously had that ability and used it to achieve a victory over the aliens at Verdun. Um, and the two begin to work together in order to turn the tide of the war. Uh, the film also stars Bill Paxton and Brendan Gleeson. Uh, the film went through a lot of iterations uh, from a production standpoint, eventually ended up uh, with Christopher McQuarrie actually being hired to kind of finish the script uh, treatment. Best, I did not know baby. that. Kind of helping to set up the the furthering of the relationship between McQuarrie and Cruz. Um, film's title, as kind of previously joked about, went through just a lot of iterations, um, starting off with the name All You Need Is Kill before some kind of marketing execs in a, a boardroom went uh, kill is a little violent. Check check that one off, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then it changed to Edge of Tomorrow, then Live, Die, Repeat, and then it got released on home media and they changed it and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the film was a slight box office disappointment, but a critical success. Uh, I've been told that that uh, Mr. Nagin here is a, a big fan of this film. You've watched it as many times as Tom Cruise dies in the film. Is that correct? This is this was a box office disappointment. I saw it. I I, I thought it, me alone must have bumped it up to being <laughs> being a success. Well, they only get the income once if you repeat the time cycle. Whenever you saw it, you saw it with Movie Pass, so that just fucked everybody. I guess <laughs> nobody made money. This on that was shit. around the era of Movie Pass when it this came close, out. Wasn't so it? there's. There's a very good chance that I did see this using Movie Pass. <laughs> uh, so, what did you end up thinking of it this time around? Um, it still rips. Um, <laughs> like I, I want, I finished it and I basically just started it again because I, I realized that I didn't pay, I didn't think to myself of like timestamps for the GIF segment, and I was just like, I gotta, I may as well just watch this one again. <laughs> just get these, listen, get Dan, these exact moments down. Guess newest bits. He's already got them. I, the most anyone has ever done research. I mean, it should it should be said. I mean, certainly three to four times as much research as we do, including watching the film. It's uh, it's a privilege. I just want to try and keep up with all of you. <laughs> we really are setting a breakneck pace over here at Trilove. Uh, well, I'm glad to hear that it was uh, a lot of fun for you. Did you did you notice anything around this 386th time around or whatever it must be for you? You know, it's. It's really interesting, like watching this again in the context of the series itself, of thinking of it as a dystopia, because you don't see much going on in the world itself. It really mm. only ever shows Cruz's perspective. You don't go much beyond him. And there were so many moments like I kept I kept comparing it in my head with the a movie from earlier in the series that you covered War of the Worlds, another Cruise yeah. movie. And how there's so much horrific, nightmarish 
imagery in that. Mm -hmm. And in this movie, it kind of skirts around that because it's really only showing you what Cruz sees himself. And he dies so frequently, like immediately, as soon as things are starting to hit the fan, you really only see things really disastrous during the battle on the beach. And then once he gets to Paris, eventually, and Mm -hmm. that is where you really see some dystopic imagery and ruins and it, it was it, it, like when I think back to this movie I just think of how how much fun it is watching Cruz die over and over and over and slowly piece together things and figure out how to make it through this end game scenario and there's there's a lot more kind of going around on the edges that I didn't pick up the first few times hmm. just things from side characters things that people are picking up kind of some comparisons like I, I love the beginning where it feels kind of like a Verhoeven movie where it picks up with just the news footage and that felt very dystopic, just like Robocop or mm-hmm. super true or not super troopers, <laughs> very dystopic, like super troopers, <laughs> starship troopers. Uh, I, I do like that characterization because it left me wondering the same thing of is it like how dystopian is this really if we don't see the effects of this on like broader society, I guess like we really do focus on the fight through most of the movie. Um, I, I, I feel very positively about this movie. This was my second or third time seeing it. I remember buying it on Blu-ray uh, because I thought it was so hilarious that they rebranded it completely like live, die, repeat takes up three thirds of the cover and then tiny little edge of tomorrow. So that's why I ended up buying the movie and seeing it for the first time. Really enjoyed it. Uh, but if there's any complaint I have about it, it is that we just spend and maybe I just didn't pick up on enough. We spend so much time with the plot. Like it's very plotty that it doesn't, I, I I've, I'm only reading my first, um, uh, Ursula K. Le Guin novel first now, but like what she had to say in the foreword about, uh, science fiction and how it's, it, in her view was descriptive, not predictive, how it was like meant to describe, uh, a current state of affairs, current condition, um, through the lens of something extrapolated so that you could sort of, uh, you know, studied in isolation, consider it in isolation from, from the actual condition. Uh, I don't really like, see, I don't know if this, this movie, at least to me was working on that level per se. It was very much about like, this is a cool concept. This is a great idea. Um, it makes for a lot of fun and we're going to sort of like hand wave with uh, wibbly diddly timey wimey stuff out of it. And it ends up incredibly. It's very fun. There's a lot of comedy to it uh I, I do want to like lavish praise on it because i'm a very big fan of it but like it's funny that you, that you should pick up on that because it's sort of the other ang- other way uh that i was approaching it too where it was like is this really like indicative are we is, are we is it is it picking up on anything or is it showing me anything about like the way that this has impacted the world beyond yeah the time loops beyond yeah the louvre is in ruins beyond this part of europe is just completely obliterated and we're all sort of headed for doom um, it, does it count as dystopia if that's like if the flash event it was pretty localized and is contained to a certain extent uh, that might be a really simplistic way of looking at it for from for me but um i i am curious what the rest of the folks on the call have to say i will be the uh enlightened centrist and meet in the middle here well i, I will say that uh, uh i kind of get what you're going for but i i do think that there's like i think there's like enough there to kind of make it interesting. I mean, so the, the, this movie is like very clearly using its, uh, you know, science fiction setting is a way to kind of um, make like an extreme exaggerated, but maybe not exaggerated given how much you've read about like war history, like uh, a, po- a point about like the, the, the horrors of war, like the brutality of war, kind of like the, 
I think at a certain point, the numbing uh, uh, impact that, that war has on the people who go through it, right? And then how, I like, like this. you know, the trauma of like seeing people you know die, uh, having those people kind of replaced by new people, seeing them die, and then kind of going back home. Like there, there is like, I'm not going to say that's like, the whole like point of the film, because mm-hmm, I think especially mm-hmm. like the last third of this film kind of ditches that to do like kind of a standard uh, uh, action movie climax. Suicide. Um, but there's like thing. enough there. Yes. Uh, there's like enough there, I think, to like kind of keep the structure up, so to speak. Right. Where I think that there are like, you know, um, so I mean, the, the first kind of obvious thing is that like. You know, this is it's a World War Two movie, essentially. Right. Um, um, you know, kind of the the, the storming of the beach. Uh, you know, uh, is very clearly like a, a Normandy, you know, situation here. Um, I think a lot of the uh, cinematography and and the way that kind of Lyman is like, you know, shooting the scene specifically on the beach is very, I think, specifically evocative of World War II uh, films. Um, I think that the scene where like Tom Cruise, it feels very out of place, but the scene where Tom Cruise like goes back to to London and has a has a pint at the bar and hears like all these, you know, uh, uh, kind of older people kind of shit talking their the mm-hmm. current war effort. Like it's I think the the film kind of like purposefully, purposely, uh, even maybe for for the better kind of shuffles that to the back uh, in order to kind of deliver the climax. But I think that like there is enough there to kind of make this like a maybe smarter than average sci-fi film, which as I kind of talked about in Looper is like often kind of all that you need in order to make like a good one of these, um, which is not saying that we should just like settle for dumb films, but like, Mm -hmm. I think this is a good film that like is doing something uh, from like a, a, an action standpoint and kind of this action comedy standpoint. And, but also has like just enough there to kind of nibble at and reward rewatches and, and things of that nature. So like, I'm kind of in the middle. I'm like, I see what you're saying, but also, uh, I, I see what Dan's saying as well. And I'm, uh, enlightened in the middle and annoying. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, a, a fourth individual walks into this Mexican standoff with guns pointed at everybody. Um, no, I, I, I like where we're getting to. And I, the, this as a, as a war film is like not something i consciously considered but i i definitely see it and it like thinking about the ways in which like at the beginning it feels like oh wow like whether you live in or live or die in war is just it's so random like anything it's just, like just as as likely chances i live or die and then as we see like this effort pointedly you know further shows that oh like you're the odds are severely against you <laughs> for living and this whole system is dysfunctional and that and the other things that are sort of nested in the margins um i think play like to to dan's point i think play really well and like really help sell the um the the visual language that's at play here to communicate the 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 things that are those sort of tedious narrative components whether they're like plot based or just like the conventions of a movie that we need to sort of like get past. And I like the, the sort of the, the feel of we need to combat this thing. And then once we're past this thing, maybe we like, you know, get run over by a car uh, in order to like try and do like this one little thing um, or, you know, all the other umpteen examples uh, of that sort of 
uh, occurrence that that comes up that come up during the movie but like all of these seeing things building on each other we're, we're going to accomplish this one thing and then we're going to like zip past in time and it's it is that movie's the movie's way of training you to say like oh he's not not only did he like get past it this one time but he's also done this hundreds of other times and like has built upon these little moments hundreds of times and these little thousands of times presumably by the end of it and all of these little engagements these little drops uh in the ocean build up to this one big earth changing event uh and i I don't know i i like the build up to that like it was um really it's really fun to watch and and i think in that way does bear the the rewatchability of this um all the while watching you know i i think during the war of the worlds epi- uh, episode i talked about like this is the last time we see for or war of the worlds it was the last time we in a while we saw like a really vulnerable tom cruise um but we get sort of a different flavor of that here where he's yeah. humbled perpetually like again thousands and thousands of times he meets his end um not often not willingly usually it's emily blunt shooting him in the face those are the ones that we see (laughs) um and it's it's great it's terribly rewarding um and there are a lot of i think really rewarding uh things that this movie brings up just just by its construction but uh, also those sorts of things in the margin that uh that really shine I really like, well, first of all, um, I should say, I, I'm glad you brought up Tom Cruise because I think that in a lot of ways, this is another instance of Cruise stunt casting. He does a really great job of like, or he's really well cast here as this sort of like amoral scumbag who slowly learns to become a human being as a result of his experiences. Um, and that to me is sort of where the ironic dystopia of this um movie is so i'm really glad that aaron brought up the numbing effect that that war has because in some ways this movie subverts that entirely um in that it's a movie about denumbing yourself right like i think at the beginning of this movie tom cruise is literally a war profiteer um not in the conventional sense but like he lost his marketing company and now makes a living talking people into going into a losing war um so he's i mean he's scum like i think that it happened so quickly that i didn't really pick up on it until this watch through but like the, at the beginning of this movie like tom cruise is supposed to be kind of like the ultimate sack of shit right like that's kind of the point of this character um yes and that's uh there's something really like humanizing and about the idea that like through his experiences and because of circumstance and fate, if you will, this movie's idea of fate, there is an inevitability that even a person like him could become heroic and in fact must become heroic, right? There's this sort of sense that like along a long enough timeline, you can't help but sort of like reestablish connections with people, um, even with specific people, right? Like there is this idea that like Rita and um, Tom Cruise's character uh, Cage couldn't help but fall in love because they simply get to know each other that well. And like there is this idea that like any two people in these circumstances that might happen to, right? Um, or that like these connections are impossible to um, what's going on, Cody? <laughs> Sorry. You're making wide uh, no, animated I'm faces. R- really, really sorry. Um, I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to go right back <laughs> on mute. I was, uh, you know, how old Emily Blunt was the year this movie came out? Uh, no, thirteen. Oh, thir- Is this a 30? Cody's Noti question? And it's it's not. So it was me doing uh, letting my You're poker face show while I do while I do. Yeah, uh, I have she, no idea. So, Emily Blunt 26. was 31 uh, the year this movie came out. She's 39 now. 
Tom Cruise, do we dare go down that road? I'm so sorry to derail. No, it's um, okay. He no, must have been he's, in his he's, 40s. He's 50-something, 50 right? 50s, maybe? Oh, wait. 51. He was, he was born in 62, so okay. math. No. 52. 52. 52. Okay. Wow. Okay. wow. He looks great. Uh, I'm just he does look <laughs> they, You know what? They both look pretty great. Um, this sorry, was, continue. This, I'm sorry oh, that I called yes. that out. I didn't mean to. I just couldn't help it. I <laughs> completely lost my train of thought. Um, so apologies, uh, listeners. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I really like like the um, the almost like Eastern religion message that inherent in that, this idea that sort of like, um, like if you repeat the mistakes long or if you repeat your life long enough, you will like learn to become a good person. In fact, it is inevitable to become a good person along a long enough timeline because that's just what people do, right? They make connections with each other. They like learn from their mistakes. They improve. Um, so like even like quote, the quote unquote ultimate, like amoral sack of shit character could become a moral operator and in fact humanity's savior because that's like that is just what it means to be human right and i think that like this movie um does a pretty good job and a really affecting job of showing that off um there are parts of it i don't like but like i think it it really uh it speaks highly of this movie that on my like third or fourth watch my favorite parts were actually like far and away the quiet moments right like between tom cruise and emily blunt like i, I think that they have a really great relationship in this movie um and in particular the like um i don't remember what it's called but like whatever the opposite of dramatic irony is where the um the character knows something that the viewer doesn't that's leveraged to such great effect in this movie where you don't actually see how tom cruise is changing um or you don't see his every loop he just refers back to them and we get a sense of how he's changing as a person via that um lots of little stylistic choices like that make this movie like like surprisingly um humanistic and tender and emotional for an action movie um again until uh, as aaron alluded to they kind of abandon that in the third act but hey what are you gonna do it's it's an action movie <laughs> The fuck? Aaron was judging me. Aaron Grossman loses What are you talking about? Harry sat there doing like the mental math, staring at the tweet, just being like, yeah, that's all the numbers. Oh boy, paulino.mp3. Everybody, everybody knows Duck Duck Great Duck. Everybody does. Up? Everybody does know those. If there, was a, <laughs> if there was a film called Duck Duck Goose or whatever, I'd be like, oh, yes, that is a clear reference to that childhood game. <laughs> you're right. We all you know. So you, your, your parents love. just sang Skinnamarink to you every night as you drifted I off to just, sleep. There's just a certain level of cultural knowledge that I am aware of about stuff. And right, like we all picked that up on the, the, the playground. Song. I, I, think that, I think that you have a knowledge yeah, enjoyer. Exactly. That's right. He has okay. a, he has an overly westernized view of the world. He doesn't have room for other cultures. Oh boy. Uh you well, yeah. I'll, you know what? This this is all staying in. Uh Dan, do you remember where you were going to pick up from from there? Uh yeah, um, the vaguely. Sure. I was it, it was sort of prompted based on what Aaron was saying of the the numbing impact that you see on Tom Cruise as he goes through loop after loop of watching his friends, his loved ones, people that he grows to know die over and over. And I, I didn't really quite think of it as sort of like the trauma of war because in my head, 
immediately like it, it was the pitch of this movie, which is essentially a sci-fi groundhog day. And it's it's very on point that we are recording this to to peel back the curtain on Groundhog Day. Oh my mm-hmm. god. Um and Harry was kind of talking about this as well with watching sort of the the change in Cruz as he goes through these moments. And it's one, I think it's incredible acting from every single person in this movie to do this kind of work. Like Cruz has to show evolution doing scene after scene of the same thing and tweaking it slightly and just changing his affect. And you have to pull away from that, that this is like his hundredth or thousandth time hearing this drill sergeant get in his face and call him a maggot or vice versa with Bill Paxton or Emily Blunt having to act like this is the first time that I'm ever interacting with this person. And I, I feel like everyone nails it, especially it comes through so much in those quiet moments between Cruz and Emily Blunt. Um, like Harry said, like on this is like, I've probably seen this movie a dozen times by this point. Um, and the first few times, the action scenes and the moments of Tom Cruise dying are the ones that resonate the most, but watching it over and over, it really draws me in with those quiet moments, those time, those moments where like you're away from the action. Like I think Aaron threw some shade on that, that scene where Tom Cruise pisses off and just goes to a bar. I love that scene. I love that moment where he's, he's so done. Cause it feels so much like a, a scene from Groundhog Day, where Bill Murray has been yeah. doing this over and over so many times that he just can't even, he can't deal with anything anymore. And he's just ready to give up at any given point. He's just like so disillusioned from it all. Like, I, I love that breaking point for him. And it's it's just, I, I really love the idea of, like, Harry, you you called it kind of like an Eastern philosophy. I, I think I read once someone saying something about like how Groundhog Day, it was sort of like the evolution or like the, the journey of the Buddha of how long he sat underneath the tree is how long Bill Murray had to go through this journey to become a decent person. And it's it's great watching Cruz in this because, yeah, he is it is like some stunt casting. And I remember in the War of the Worlds episode, Abby made the the funny point of Tom Cruise needs to remember that he could die again. And this is a movie where he he learns that <laughs> he's immortal. He could keep he could keep going mm-hmm. over and over and over. But it's I love that he starts kind of as like that shit heel from um, Jerry Maguire almost. Uh, and transforms into an actual decent exactly. person. Here's here's my uh, qu- quick side about the 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 scene where Tom Cruise just goes to an old classic Irish bar and just drinks a pint or whatever. Uh, I I enjoy that scene kind of on its face. I need if you're gonna do it, and I'm willing to buy that. Like, yeah, he finds a way to escape the army base, and he just like steals a motorcycle, and he like you know figures that out. Willing to buy that. I need at least like three scenes of Tom Cruise fucking off and doing other stuff while bored in a time loop. I need him on a Ferris wheel. I need him on a roller coaster. I need him just like, you know what I mean? Just like, I need like a solid eight minutes of that movie to be taken up by that uh, is like my nitpick. That's not actually that serious about it. I don't disagree Um, with that at all. 
I think that would be great. And it, it could show us cut. some more of the sci-fi kind of elements of, of it. Movie. Just yeah. show us this society <laughs> a little bit more. Yeah, I actually I think that's kind of a great point in that um, I actually agree with that, Aaron. But I will say that um, I think one of the things that this movie does best that I was most um, impressed with, particularly this time around, um, is that I think it shows just enough. Like it does such a great job with the pacing where like the conceit never gets old. And I was so afraid. I've been afraid every time watching that, like, oh, watching the same scenes over and over again is actually going to get annoying. Because, like, it's a frustrating premise for Tom Cruise, right? The fact that Cage has to re-explain himself from point A every single time. And I think that, like, the movie does this amazing job of, like, constantly keeping you on the cusp of understanding and feeling his frustration without ever feeling bored by this or or being... um uncompelled by what's happening and it does that just by like finding enough really clever permutations of what to show and not show you like like we had said we've all talked about how um the sudden deaths that tom cruise goes through are all very funny i think they work every single time right um in particular i really love that uh they they do make the great creative decision to make the shot where uh emily blunt blunt shoots him in the head to end the loop it's the same exact shot every yes, time yes uh, yes, that's, yes that's like yes. one of the funniest in jokes in the entire movie to me i i love that shit um but uh, but stuff like that or just like um like one time right we only see one time where the the marines or whatever like corner tom cruise and try to beat him up um for going awol and it's the time where he's seen it so many times that he yes. can close his eyes and counter it's just like they they had a like such a long list of like okay like what fun can we have with this premise um, and they, they use that fun to sort of like keep things feeling really lively and keep things moving enough that for a, a, a movie that like has a pretty, resp- or like a pretty, um, small scope that could very quickly become sort of flat because like you had said, Dan, like they don't really show you a lot. Like, I think that, um, if I have a criticism of this movie, I think that like the actual creature design is leaves something to be desired. Um, I think that like the actual like war is like, very very generic uh and a little bit underexplained not that that ends up really being an issue um because none of that ends up being an issue because the movie knows why you're why you're here right and it does such a good job of of like walking you through those beats such that um a lot like looper right i was just very compelled in the moment uh throughout the movie no matter what was unfolding um kind of up until the end which again in my opinion falls apart a little bit but um maybe we can talk about that but like even when you know in the second act they or the the third act i guess they go to see the general in the second act when tom cruise and emily blunt actually make it off the beach i'm like so on board for all of that that like the movie does such a good job of sort of like um of like making sure that i'm on in for the ride and i think that that translates also to the emotional and character arc beats of Cage, Tom Cruise's character. I think that similarly, it does a very competent job of balancing all of those things. Yeah, you you kind of bring up like a, a good point and you kind of touched upon it maybe like two or three different points with, with what you were just saying, which is like, I think that like you kind of have to ask yourself whenever you you watch a movie that's dealing with this like, core conceit or i mean frankly it's like mostly when you play video games that are dealing with this because there are like so many video games that deal with this concept right um but it's like it's just like a very like general question of like okay you, you know you, you've based your your story here around a time loop what are you going to do with that right like what is 
the point of this time loop? What thematic point are you making? How are you using this, right? And I think that like this film actually ends up making what I consider to be like maybe an unintentional point, but like a very like strong point that is very anti-war in kind of a way and actually like very anti-action blockbuster, which is kind of ironic given the fact that I think this movie ends up being, unfortunately, like I think like the last act of this movie like yeah, is dude. kind of generic and, and compared and, to the first maybe two thirds pretty bad. Holy shit, um, like Tom Cruise just kept dying until he can't die anymore and then wow, yes. he, he really can pull it all off and boy yes. was he lucky that time, huh? And And there are issues with that and that's kind of, ironic given like what i view is like kind of the the what this film does with the 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 idea of a time loop which is that it it does speak a little bit to the ability of anyone with this kind of power to to be a hero right and that like anybody if given you know uh enough time and enough like tries uh can become like a hero that goes and saves the day and all this kind of stuff but i think this film also kind of makes the point um it kind of purposely undercuts that by having tom cruise die so many times and that the film is kind of saying that it is possible for anyone to be a hero but it is also 100% unrealistic for anybody to ever be a hero in this manner in this action blockbuster manner in war ever right um the, i think the point the, the the movie ends up making is like if you are in a war like this you will die 100% you will get fucking mowed down you do not have the ability to you know change back time you will be one of the grunts that just gets ripped apart, blown up, run over by your own person on a truck, right? It, it is like a weirdly, like, it goes against kind of the the thesis that a lot of action movies make by saying that, like, this person can do this, but, like, nobody, you, you, nobody else can do this. Tom Cruise is not, like, you know, Mission Impossible Tom Cruise hyper-capable. Tom Cruise is, you know, getting his arm blown off and whatnot <laughs> constantly, um, and I, I find that like kind of poignant, even if it's maybe not entirely intended. Um, I dig it. I like it a lot. I would say that that is intended because at the very beginning of the movie, Cruz is pitching on those TV shows and segments, um, telling the story of Rita Petaskey, saying she came in with no training and she single-handedly oh, yes. took over that the Battle of Verdun. And that is what is built her legend. And he's saying, with this armor, you can take someone with no training, throw them into combat, and they will be able to win this war. And he is pitching exactly what most movies would typically tell you or most video games. And just a side note, I I talked with Harry about this uh, before recording like a couple days ago. This is the best non-video game video game adaptation of all time. Where it is, it is exact. It, it is Dark game. Souls. This is it's Dark Souls. This is someone save scumming well, and trying to get yeah. the perfect run on a map, and that is ex- This is exactly what video games do. It teaches you to recognize patterns, and that's ultimately what it is. And like, like you said, Aaron, like it's completely unrealistic to do something like that. And Cruz is put. He's made to put his money where his mouth is and go and actually prove more or less that. Someone could actually do this. And the truth of it is, you can't. That's not what it is. And it's it's very similar to War of the Worlds of showing how outclassed humans are in this sort of combat, that we do not stand a chance. The only reason that we win we win 
ultimately in the end is by happenstance because we gain the ability of the enemy. Like it, it's not any, it, it's not any act of humanity itself, intentional or otherwise. Like we, we, we would we would 100% lose in this scenario. There's no way of winning. The whole idea of like Operation Downfall is like, this is our downfall. And we lose thousands upon thousands of times in this movie. Yeah. Um, I, my point is is very similar to uh, what Dan was saying. I think that bringing up Rita as the stand-in for this is a really good point, right? Because like not, not only is she um, like... So she is literally the poster child in the sense that like what they do with her great victory is make her propaganda, right? Like we see her on the victory posters all the time. Tom Cruise is about selling her. And then it turns out that again, like you had said, it was just the, um, the enemy's power and weird happenstance that she got there in the first place. But also um, the movie also opens up by introducing these like space Marine type characters, right? The J squad. And all of these characters are like, um, in a, in a kind of an unsubtle oorah way, like they are people who bought into the story that Tom Cruise's character sold them. That sort of like blockbuster entertainment sold them, right? Like like they're making jokes with each other and talking about how many of the th- uh, creatures they're going to kill tomorrow, how they're going to set some kind of record, how they can't wait to get it get out there um one of them goes out in in his underwear right um and then that character is immediately uh crushed by one of his own like spacecraft right by one of his landing craft and most of those characters are killed before they land right because their landing um ship gets destroyed which again like pretty obvious d-day analog there but but like to, to aaron's point right like i think that like there really is something driving through here about sort of like um and it's ironic that we talked about uh war of the worlds because it's kind of a similar point right where it's it's about like taking our great action star tom cruise and demonstrating what action stars actually look like in a different reality and it's just to say like you know, it's it's the kind of point that a lot of really great war media has done before, but but it's sort of like you're gonna like there there's no there's no heroism in war. There's no like it's just dumb luck whether or not you live or die. There's no such thing as like being skilled at it. There's no such thing as like um, being so tough or so smart that you can uh, outthink or outwit the enemy uh, or outmaneuver the enemy. All that it comes down to is like RNG, right? And like. This is a literal like case study in that in that like we're going to watch like he has to win eventually. But damn, it's going to take him thousands and thousands of times. Right. Uh, and and in the end, it's more about circumstance that it was than it was ever about that. And like there's no training for something like that. Right. Um, so I, I think that uh, Aaron makes a really good point, which, uh, again, um, I think that the that the the ending kind of. um undercuts but like i think that maybe and maybe i'm just being generous but like i think that there's enough training uh so to speak in the first two acts of the movie or the most of the movie that you sort of like understand that like oh I, like even I guess even if you squint, you could say like the only reason why Tom Cruise is so capable of doing this is because he's had more training than any human being could ever actually have or something. Maybe that's making an excuse. But um, I think that like I think that the movie, uh, the better angels of its nature can kind of like um, win out over some of the flubs, uh, in my opinion. I really like where we've gotten here with uh, the point that Aaron brought up about like the indignity of war being like sort of the point and sort of the uh, inglorious nature of 
like the real the reality of even the world's biggest action star died within three minutes on the battlefield just witnessed the horrors of war and perished in the sand i really really like that as like if we're reading beyond what is shown on screen into like well what is that actually saying i i I like that a lot because it uh makes me like one of my favorite things about the movie is uh, obviously it's it's comedy it's mostly a comedy movie to me it's like 60 percent comedy uh but that it casts tom cruise as that character like one of America's leading men, one of the indestructible action stars, not like, you know, of an eighties variety, but very much like he does defy death in almost every single role. And in this one, it's like, we're going to dispose of that. The whole point is how much he dies. The whole concept is how much he dies. And the point that I like so much about that, why I think it works is because it leans into the humor of that with like both the concept itself of like, yeah, you're going to have to die a lot before this gets. And that's like, that's humiliating, but also like the very specific gags that it puts through the, like I think of him rolling under the Jeep. It's like startling, but funny. His training montages that always have a disaster. Exactly. It's, it's very, it's very good in the moment. Uh, the training montage is always a disaster. That one shot of Rita that uh, Harry brought up is one of the funniest things. I thought about making it the gif, just how often she like just chromes him. Um, but like it is, uh, it, it leans into that ridiculousness of the premise of like the comedy. Like it, it sort of works on that level of, Hey, this is a ridiculous premise, right? That you could live several times through the same day of war. And that's the whole, you know, groundhog day, but on the battlefield thing. Uh, and then it's like, well, what if we could use that to our advantage? And what if using that to our advantage itself came with some embarrassing, goofy, ridiculous things that happened to us and how much it just leans into how much it understands how funny that is and how, like how to leverage that it gives me like Sam Raimi vibes, honestly, like this is an absurd, funny situation. It's also got a lot of like really stark, dark, like implications to it, but also it's really, really fucking funny. right. If you step back and you look at it as something that you're seeing on a screen, it's really fucking funny. Right. And that like ringing through this watch was like, yeah, this could, I mean, it's got one or two few like dolly zooms and Dutch tilts to be an actual Sam Raimi movie. But the inspirations there, like his impact on Hollywood, I think is like, very clear in this movie because it's an action movie just about as far divorced from a lot of the stuff that um that sam raimi is best known for and yet here it is like clearly showing up as a very strong thread uh through throughout you know a 2014 movie starring tom cruise and doug, directed by doug lyman i just i'm in awe at how like how strong a synthesis it is of of those various pieces that it's got it is very good which is why i must also bring up uh, the bad parts of this movie, which should at least be mentioned again, have been mentioned earlier, but they're kind of, uh, I would say there are two main flaws here. The first, thank you, Jason, uh, is that, uh, as I think Harry mentioned, uh, I think the creature design in this just sucks. I think it's, it, 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 it does the, uh, uh, it does like the real bad thing that like, a lot of sci-fi, a lot of sci-fi video games do it. Sorry to keep referencing video games, but this movie's basically a video game. Uh, Prey, uh, the video game Prey, the the, or the reboot of the Prey, I guess, series, not a series, uh, does it. Uh, nobody likes a big, wispy alien thing. It's I, I like an it alien does, to have some stink. sort of heft to it, you know? Like the, it's, the, well, the it's alien. just so obviously like a bunt. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yes. uh, like, like they're we don't have to put any thought kinda... into this. Like, we yes. can just fucking whatever. It's CGI tentacles and goop, whatever. It's, 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 it's not satisfying from to Resident shoot. Evil 5. It's not, 
Yes, and it also is like, as uh, Harry also mentioned, kind of the the earlier scenes in the film of the aliens just like killing people are like, it's so obvious, like the minute there's an alien that like at least 15 of these people are just like fucked immediately. And by the end of it, Tom Cruise is just like punching one with a, you know, with a like a, a mech fist. And it's like it just abs- inconsistent, absurd. I guess I'm willing to go with it uh, for the, the greater good of the film. But I just think it kind of sucks and it should have been a little. Well, well especially well because out. like. The whole point is supposed to be that, like, these people think that there's something that they can do to train to combat these things. And then they, like, land down and they just, like, go fucking nuts. And, like, 30 people die immediately because these things are, like, the speed of sound or whatever. And so, like, that's that's cool. Like, that that's a good point about how horrible, like, war propaganda is. And it is extremely undercut by the idea that, like, yeah, but, like, if you did it enough, if you just trained enough, maybe you'd be okay. Uh, and then the the other uh, worst part of this movie is, I think, unfortunately, uh, the last fourth. I don't know, like kind of the uh, I like the the very end. I like where the film ends up, but pretty much everything in uh, Paris uh, at the end there. I mean, the first thing is like it. Uh, I think this movie like doesn't look bad. Like there's kind of some weird color, uh, you know, tinting here that that's maybe not the best thing in the world, but like it's fairly legible and like well lit and whatnot. The last part of this movie is just like, I mean, kind of gibber. Like I could not see what was going on at all. It's super dark. Um, uh, very clear that they made like kind of a conscious decision to make it at night, probably to make CGI and stuff like that a little easier and cheaper. Um, I think it looks really bad. I think that like Tom Cruise does kind of become the superhero that is lampooned throughout the rest of the film in a way that is like kind of absurdly All the unrealistic. Do. Yeah. Yes. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I just kind of don't like the, the climactic action scene of this film, which is a big bummer, but like, I, those are my two like big negative points. And I think they're kind of a drop in the bucket compared to the positive stuff I have to say about this film. So I don't know. Well, I, I agree completely with a lot of that, Aaron. And Something that um, I, I think it, it kind of hit with me earlier with w- Harry when you were you were talking about um, certain moments of this, but this very well could have just been a run of the mill generic movie that you would see on Sci Fi Channel, like something that is completely uninteresting, you, nothing to it, no meat on the bones, because there really isn't a lot there. There it skirts around it at times. I think that there are ideas there. I think it's really just elevated because one Doug Lyman knows how to shoot certain sequences and knows what to show and to let the audience fill in the blanks in other moments. And I think otherwise, Cruz, Pullman, Blunt, like they all elevate their characters and what is on the page to such an extent that it makes it interesting. It makes you want to be watching this, that it pulls you along in those sequences. But there's a lot of this that they there's a lot of hand waving. I think it's a lot of fault of the script. The script is objectively pretty bad, I think, especially that last quarter of this movie. It just be like we've said a couple of times, it's just such a generic end to this movie where it it almost undercuts what the the other 
portion of this movie is doing where I, I'm so glad, Aaron, that you mentioned that this was poorly lit in that final part because I wasn't sure if it was just me where I was like, is I this my TV? I, I, right. I, I didn't watch- see the theaters, so maybe the theater crowd will give it a, a, a bigger thumbs up than that. I'm- no, it's still bad. No, <laughs> I was trying. Their I was racking my brain. I was like, is this a settings thing? Like, I watched it. I watched that sequence so many times because I was like, I can't see shit. I don't know what's happening. I don't know who just died. I'm just guessing yeah. everyone's well, dead and, and except they do, for like, Cruz. They do all of the shitty sort of like tricks where it's like, oh, it's dark. There's water. There's tons of debris everywhere. There's like flashing lights and like electrical problems. And so it's like it's every way that you can like get away with having absolute nonsense happening on screen. <laughs> right. As many As many ways as they can obfuscate their bad cgi and the fact that they didn't really plan it out as much as possible it's all there totally i i come down in the same sort of place that that you fellas are and that's i guess the progression of the movie up to this point i mean we've talked about a lot but the 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 time loop mechanics leading us into you know it's this this very pathetic shit weasel war profiteer has to he has to learn some stuff he needs to get trained by somebody who's way more competent than him and then the movie slows down significantly and we talked about how much and i love those moments as well those kind of slower quieter scenes between um emily blunt and tom cruise two of our finest working actors in scenes together just the two of them what's not to love uh and then the last, yeah, I, th- I think Aaron, you said like the last quarter. I mean, y- y- I won't go as far to say the last third, the last quarter for sure. But it's 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 a culmination of a lot of things. And up to this point, you know that that gradual that build up, even the like the the hitting a wall and like being frustrated, taking a day to go grab a pint down at the pub. Um, there, there's a lot of, especially the the first couple acts of this movie, uh, reminded me a lot of 36th Chamber of Shaolin, where it is just perpetual like build up and and like there's an end goal that we need to reach in order to get there. We need to learn a lot of stuff, get better in a lot of different ways, and like there are built in roadblocks along the way as you know, we get through each new skill and like, you know, attain a new ability. And that's, you don't necessarily have that here because I don't know, like the road is more constant, but finding different ways to like, Oh, I care for this person. And I've like run out of ways to like experiment with this whole cycle. And like, there's I can't find a way where both of us come out of this alive or, Oh, I, now the alien is honing in on me and knows that I have this ability. And so like, we're under a little bit more pressure during any given day, or now I can't go through the whole fucking loop and we need to fucking do it live and, and finish it. Um, but I think get like getting to the end and like me at this point thinking, you know, this is not, this is not a movie that (laughs) this is, this doesn't need to be explicitly a time travel movie or like an, in an intergalactic species war movie, or even just a, like a war ass war movie. It doesn't need to be those things. Um, the fact that the final set piece is, combat and it looks like dog shit um like the the it's that is isn't necessarily the thing but the fact that the thing is coated in darkness and bad cgi is is just like a sour um bit of icing on the cake that is they maybe weren't quite sure like what this movie was or how like how to bring it to like an end that pulled together um 
all the different threads um in, in i don't know at, at least like looper sort of attempted that i know we like came away with mixed feelings on that front um it, it felt it felt a, this end felt a little messier but like the i don't know i i I'm all, I was all in uh, on like everything leading up to that point, so I don't know. Um, I, I'm I'm all over the place at this point, but it's it's tough to reconcile for sure. I'm really glad you brought up Looper because I was going to go there too. In that, I think that this movie is kind of like for better and worse, almost an opposite to Looper, where Looper is a movie with too many ideas and can't really pull them off really well. I think that there's not a lot there there in this movie. You know what I mean? Like, it's an incredibly thin premise when it comes right down to it. You can sum it up immediately. It's like, yeah, it's Groundhog's Day during a war, a sci-fi war. The guy and girl are going to fall in love uh, because they're repeating loops. That's it, right? Um, I think, like Dan said, like, the fact that, like, this movie ends up with a climax that is only, that is, like, merely the sum of its parts, it really made me appreciate how much more is going on here. And I don't know if it was, like, Macquarie that did this or if it was, like, um, maybe All You Need Is Kill, which I haven't read, actually has a lot going on. But, like, for instance, like, really the, like, the central, like, relationship in this movie works for me so well. So much better than, like, a lot of, like, stories that make it a bigger point, right? Because it's, like, it is itself sort of subversive in keeping with the themes of the main idea, right? In that, like... Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt, they kind of fall in love, but not really, right? Like, at the at the end of the movie, they are going to begin to have a relationship, and Tom Cruise is in love with her. That's how he learns to be human. He never, like, becomes a bigger badass than her. She's never, like, impressed. She never, like, changes who she is fundamentally as a person. The whole point is that she doesn't do that, right? Like, that... Um, and so, like, they have this really great chemistry that, that feels like... like Again, action movie subversive and not sort of like um, gross and chauvinistic in the way they usually are. Like, I really love that, like, Emily Blunt's character is just allowed to be a badass in this specific way. And, like, Tom Cruise, like, is allowed to learn from her. Tom Cruise tries to have this, like, badass, stoic, heroic moment where he goes off on his own. And that doesn't work out. That's another great subversion, right? Where, like, he's yeah. trying to, like, do the right thing finally, right? And, like, sacrifice himself so that his... um like the woman he loves doesn't die. And then it's like, oh, it turns out the aliens were totally like expecting that, waiting for it. He has to go back and get a bunch of help from other people, right? It's like, that's really cool, I think. Um, and so like, I think that like there is so, if there is one part of this movie that is like just the sum of its parts um, and maybe not like the best script in the world, like you said, Dan, when you consider that like basically all this movie needed was like the Bill Paxton speech where he talks about how actually like combat is fair and it's a crucible where heroes are forged and your fate is in your hands. If the rest of the movie was just a silent movie that proved how stupid he is for thinking that and that he was wrong, it would have been enough. Right. <laughs> and so like almost the rest of it is gravy in a weird way. Um, and so like, I'm glad that like, this is a movie that like takes what I think is like, a like literal i mean it is literally like a a manga premise right like a one-shot manga sort of like premise and makes it into something that's actually pretty thoughtful and pretty fun and i'm not like disparaging manga god knows i love manga but like um you know what i mean it's like i think dan's exactly right in that like this is such a great example of like it's another sort of cynicism breaker right where like i remember when i saw trailers for this movie i was like oh that sounds dumb like that's I'm gonna see it, of course, because there's fucking swords and aliens and shit, but like it's not gonna be good. And then I went to it and I was like, hey, wait a minute, like 
I really enjoyed watching this movie and I want to see it again. Right. And like, I want to talk about it and show it to people. Um, and that's pretty good evidence in my opinion that it, that it does what it's needing to do. And then some calling this a cynicism breaker, which is a thing that when you said that during, I, I can't even remember anymore, which, which episode that was, I, mean, I think it was war of the Mad Worlds. Max Fury road. Yeah. I think Fury road. Yeah. It's kind of yes. funny. It's been sort of like a, a theme for the series, right? Because like, yeah. I felt that way about Looper. Yeah. Maybe I'm just an asshole who is continuously Maybe. proven wrong. That <laughs> <laughs> might be the case, but Maybe I remember when you first said that I was like, that I that I was just like that's so spot on, and I think that's another great description for this movie because this that was exactly what happened for me with this. I think this was during an era where I was just going to see every movie in the theater. I didn't have high expectations for this. I was like, I, I thought it was going to kind of suck, and kind of coinciding with this, this was also the year of the first John Wick, and that was another movie where I walked into it thinking like, whatever, it's just going to be a whatever oh, action man. movie. That's such and a great it, point. They, they both like rocked my socks. And I remember very clearly buying this and John Wick on Blu-ray and like showing them to so many of my friends because I was like, you won't, you won't believe these movies and how much they rip. Like they rule. And yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It, that's interesting. But something that you were touching on, Harry, that I wanted to just kind of call attention to because. I, I think that Emily Blunt isn't given much in this movie to do, but I think she does a great job. And this is sort of an era where there were, I feel like there was almost a renaissance of female led action movies kind of kicking off around this, this period, because the very next year you get Mad Max Fury Road, Charlize Theron and I, and Emily Blunt, I think both like just really kick serious ass and a ton of movies. And it's, it's interesting that both of those movies popped up in this series along with like, I mean, Emily Blunt was in Looper as well. So like it, it's, it's interesting looking and thinking about like kind of like the similarities between some of these. Year of the there Blunt, are... everybody? Year of the Blunt? Every year is Year of the Blunt, puff, bro. Puff, yeah. <laughs> what are you, who are you talking to? Uh, the, this and Looper both have scenes uh, which uh, finally slow down on a farm. With Emily Blunt, lot of there's there's so many threads to grasp at, and it's the uh, worst part of one movie and the best part of another movie. <laughs> I think it yeah, might be the worst. No, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, sure, I'll take that. Um, I, hey, it, it really sucks they end up kissing at the end, though. I, yeah, it, sure does. I'm sorry, should have just been, should have just been not to be, you know, all. No, no, you know, you're Tom right. Cruise shouldn't do romances at this stage. Oh, of yeah, life, to, but... to quote our good friend and friend of the pod, yes. Gretchen, Tom Cruise should not be sexual. <laughs> No, I think it's he, he had, just he like few... Dwayne the Rock Johnson. No, no sex b- uh, with them. Yes, nah. Yes, no. this is in, uh, coinciding. Like I, Dwayne Cruise, is smooth. Emily he's smooth Blunt. down there, like a Ken doll, right? He <laughs> mm-hmm. has to. Be. Yeah, there's Tom no Cruise. genitalia. Yes. What? <laughs> he. Uh, it's called the Rock. Uh, Tom, not the yeah, cock. Tom Cruise had like a few big sexual bangers early on his career, and he got it all out of his system. And he just doesn't have whatever is needed for that. He's anymore. dedicated his what? life to war and uh, the Church of Scientology. What are his <laughs> sexual bangers? Do we know? Eyes wide fan? shut, dog. Come on. Eyes wide shut. Uh, I think he the has. Some he runs good... the, the, oh, the I was. House, I, think, you know, I was still uh... thinking about Dwayne Johnson. Excuse me. Yeah, Tom Cruise oh, has sexual bangers. You don't remember bangers. The Rock oh, in uh, <laughs> Eyes Wide Shut? Eyebrows. Yeah, he played eyebrows wide raised. I think is the Tom the Rock <laughs> version of that. Kubrick. Yeah. Kubrick declined participation in that one. I read. Risky. Business. Sorry. Continue. Mm. I was I was like, it's not Jerry Maguire. I know it's not. Don't say Jerry Maguire because it's not that. It's risky business. Yes, 
the one of the weir- weirdest, one of the just a wild movie to go into, not knowing what it's about, just knowing it's like a pretty famous, popular movie. It's kind of Saturday Night Fever esque. Another film that I feel like I watched both of those in like a six month period, and I was like, oh, that's just those are referenced culturally, but. Uh, you I still was not about aware. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't believe how harrowing Saturday Night Fever was. Yeah, the fact mm-hmm. they all, the they all had to keep dancing until they died. I mean, oh, Jesus! On, oh, sorry, I, I was, was thinking what they should horses what you're saying. Me. And you let mm, me down. Stolen let Valor. Watch that movie you before you do that, a like deep dive like that, you little crustacean. So. Maybe it's maybe it's time we we transition to our our second to final segment of the show. Uh, it's or, been or third combined third. Ooh. Oh, How many or third. Final oh, segments who can say? Who can say? Indeed, who can say? Uh, well, this is my little bit, my little fun thing that I've come up with, and I think it is fun. Uh, so you know, might have noticed, dear listener, that uh, every episode goes out with a GIF that is uh, the Try Love Promise. Uh, we pick that, even if we don't make that, but often we make that, um, and that means that we have total determination and control over what GIF gets put out with the episode. Uh, yes, indeed, this is the segment I like to call Good Grief, Give Me a GIF. Uh, so I'm going to go in order of our guest, Dan, then Cody, Harry, Aaron, uh, with your picks for what shot, what's still. Uh, usually I like GIFs, but I'd be willing, if it's a hell of a still, um, to make uh, our our promotional material for the episode on Twitter. Dan, did you have any uh, specifics? I I wrote down a lot. Um, there are there are so many good ones, and I was expecting to have to really dig deep on this one. I didn't think that I would get to go first, so it's, I I have Ooh. just a, a spoil of riches to turn to. Um, one that I really really love though is the the cuts between Tom Cruise getting shot by Rita over and over and then just like the quick cut to the uh the drill sergeant yelling maggot in his face and just Cruz just becoming more and more like dead in his eyes is fantastic. <laughs> That's around like the 49 minute mark in like 57 seconds. Wow, just thank you. In case you are curious about the time code. <laughs> if it was it's if it's 58 seconds, we're gonna fucking come for Fuck you, Dan. Yeah, this, this better this be right. Be a little bit less like be 56. <laughs> Uh, any runners up? I'd I'd take you know two or three of what you got if you got more that you like. I I, oh. I don't think I don't think we need to worry about overrun or like I think everybody's got what they like and we can uh, double up if we uh, need to. Another one that I'm I'm betting no one is going to get this one. This was the one where I was like, no one's going to call this one out. It happens so fast in the movie. People are probably still getting settled in their chairs. It's Tom Cruise laughing, and then it cuts to Brendan Gleeson just stone faced. Is <laughs> oh, so yeah. funny. Like Cruz tried to be like, surely you're joking, and that, and he's trying to like talk his way out of being drafted and enlisted for this, and just Brendan Gleeson giving him nothing is so funny. I, I that's love around how off. Brendan Gleeson looks like they did not make him up at all. Like they just said, here are some fatigues, put him on, and he just like rolled dude, out he of looks bed. like he was on set for a day max. It's the <laughs> oh, best, absolutely. and he so turns great. in such a fucking great performance. Banger, banger. Uh, when did you say that is in the movie, Dan? It's about five minutes and fifty seconds in god damn i i think he's one this. of like six people who can always be just like cast as like that military just so dependable he's great you know what i mean yeah he's yeah. he's great uh yeah quick brendan mcleason plug go see him in uh, banshees of inner if you haven't already that's a fucking heard it's good dime ass movie just ooh man um 
it really saved Martin McDonough for me after three billboards. That movie sucks ass worse, worst movie ever. Uh, well then, uh, I'll, I'll uh, turn the horn to Cody. Uh, you got me any gifts? Uh, yeah. Good grief, man. Tur- turn the horn to me. I'll, I'll give you a little something in return. Uh, yeah, my, my go-to is going to be something along the and forgive me. I don't have exact timestamps. I, I watched this at the trial on cinema in Minneapolis, uh, amateur. And I didn't, yeah, I know, I know. I've got my, my amateur badge right up here. Uh, you can't see it, listener, but uh, those of us who are recording, we got our cameras on and it's my badge of shame. But I, yeah, the, the sort of cutting between my initial take was, yeah, when, um, when, Emily Blunt's character, uh, Sergeant Rita Vertasky. There we go. I knew that all along. When she shoots um, Tom Cruise's character, uh, Major William Cage. I knew that all along. Um, <laughs> the rapid sort of... It's not like it quite like rapid, rapid, rapid. Like it is, there are a bunch in a row, but the, the cuts are long enough for you to digest the like him. And this was kind of where my brain w- went. Him like waking up seeing the bus that says full metal bitch or like alternating between that and seeing the military officer saying, you know, on your feet maggot, uh, if there's a way to alternate between those two and get like a clean loop, that was what I was sort of envisioning otherwise. And again, no timestamp for this one, but just because, because Dan took that and it's, it's a, it is a really good one and I'm glad he called it out. Um, but if I did have a follow, it'd be, if, if there's any sort of like, I saw it in a, a still of, um, and I can't remember where it is in the movie, but I remember seeing a still once upon a time of like Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt in their, their gear. And it's like presumably during a scene, but they're just like sitting in like the, one of the grass fields that they are, but they're in their full mech armor. And I always thought that was such a nice, like, even if it was just like the frame, like a nice juxtaposition of, is it, of styles. And, yeah. Yeah. Is it that one where they're overlooking like the um, former trailer park? Yeah, yeah, that might be could the be one. There. Um, I I don't know if there's I don't know if there's something because that could have easily just been like a production still or something. I was on the lookout for it in the movie and I didn't like. Maybe I was writing something down uh, in my in my wee little notebook and I missed it. But uh, if there is something there to to mine for our selfish uh, social media purposes, that's that's where I'd look. those are. That's my... where we get to pop this off, baby. Uh, Harry. <clears throat> Yeah. Uh, my first one, I think it would be awesome to freak out our uh, followers and just do the, the one where fucking Tom Cruise's face gets melted off by the like acid blood from the alpha. It's pretty, it's a great shot. Uh, it's very horrifying. Uh, that would be a pretty good one. Um, I feel like an obvious one is probably where uh, Rita like does that sick move where she like peels herself off of the floor when um, Tom Cruise interrupts her training for the first time and they show that shot over and over again. That's pretty iconic. Um, I like that one a lot. Uh, (laughs) I can't remember exactly how it works, but uh, maybe the one where... um, Again, I think you brought it up, but like I think the funniest death of all is when um, Tom Cruise tries to roll out of formation uh, with the push-up guys and he ends up rolling under a truck and then not even on screen, we just hear him go... And then Bill Paxton is like, what the hell was he thinking? And like, then the loop starts over. That would be a good one. Um, and then if we want to go like the emotional route, there's that really horrible supercut where Tom Cruise just watches Rita die over and over again in quick succession. And it just like cuts to her dead face and then cuts to him like looking upset and then slowly becoming more and more inured to it um, over the course of like eight or 12 shots. Uh, so those are mine. Um, and I'm sticking to them. Wonderful choices. Aaron, you got any for me? 
in an effort to uh, uh, keep the bit going, the extremely unfunny bit where I suggest uh, uh, gifts that would actually be horrible to use for a uh, tweet for an episode, um, I will say that, uh, uh, yeah, the, the shot where Tom Cruise gets his uh, face melted off at the beginning of the film. It's what I was going to say before Harry took it, bro. Goddamn. It's fine. It's okay. Yeah, that was yeah. Just, it's uh, it's awesome, Cruise's. dude. His fucking maybe, face melts. Okay, and as a way to make it more grotesque, maybe do that half speed, you know, and we just get that stretched out. Not a bad idea. Something to think about, Jason. I I will think about it, Jason. Uh, could you put together a supercut of every time he dies? That would be a great ooh, boy. Gift. <laughs> just it would only take two, you a couple of frames. hours. <laughs> I've spent longer on. Far less viable things for the social media of this podcast. Oh come on, the the Tatsuya Nakadai fan cam was definitely well worth your time. Oh, that that was worth it. Uh, Jacques Tati. 100%. Every time Jacques Tati licks his lips in that one interview was not. Oh, worth I it. really hate that one. That but, took me uh, like an hour and thirty five <laughs> minutes, and nobody even liked it on Twitter. It was my favorite thing. Not worth it. Absolutely not worth it. Save your. Dollars and dimes. Folks. No, I don't know. I I feel like someone likes it. I'm I'm gonna go and find it right now. <laughs> I don't even remember what we tweeted with. It. Thank you so much, Dan, uh, ever present fan uh, and friend of the pod. Uh, we have one final segment to our show. Uh, I'll just act normal, act natural. We have one final segment to our show. Uh, Harry and our guest Dan need to help us. Uh, need to help us bring it yes. home. Dan, would you like to help us ring in our final segment? You know I do. Excellent. This is the segment that we like to call <gasps> Cody's, Cody's Noties. Wow. The vibrato. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah. You know what? That intro certainly did not have the safety on. Mm. That's a thing from the movie. Uh, as a spiritual successor to last week's Noties, uh, this week we'll be participating in something called Triloop. Now, if you're listening, or for those of you here, you might be saying to yourself, hey, you know, wouldn't something called Triloop be better suited for the um, the discussion you had on the movie Looper? To which I say, <laughs> no, that's that's really dumb. Whereas last week with Time Love, we explored films that utilized more free-flowing systems of, of time travel, or at least within the scope of those narratives. Triloop hones in on films that uh, specifically deal with time travel of the closed and or repetitive variety, right? So the parameters of their respective situations depend on certain conditions being met before the shackles of time can be lifted. Splitting hairs over types of time travel is cool and good, actually. Uh, In any case, each statement I read will relate to one of these various time loop scenario movies after reading each statement. I will ask y'all in alphabetical by first name order to respond. You'll get a point for every correct answer or closest to the correct answer. And the person with the most points at the end will win. As always, Trivia Mafia rules apply here, which means use your noodles, not your Googles. With that, let's go ahead and jump in. We'll start with source code uh, from the year of our Lord, 2011. Uh, which, uh, don't worry, which among its, its compact but solid cast features Jake Gyllenhaal. How tall is Jake Gyllenhaal, Aaron? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> oh, fuck. I, and then I'm back to the top of the question asking order, too. <laughs> Thanks, bud. You couldn't just put me in the middle. Um, I, uh, uh-huh. he's six feet. Six feet is what we're rolling with. I've got you locked in. Over to Dan, who is most certainly not six feet. Uh, how tall do you think Jake Gyllenhaal is, big guy? 
Man, I want to give you a point because that's that's hilarious to do this again. <laughs> you piece of shit. <laughs> I should know this because I've listened to these episodes. Um, I don't off the top of my head. I think six feet. <laughs> Alrighty, I'm going to mark that one down. Uh, we're not covering much of a spread yet. We'll see how that plays out. But we are over to Harry. Harry, how tall do you think Jakey Jills is? I'll just do six one. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Six foot one, and finally get him with five eleven, Jason. Let's oh, you, fucking go. You, oh, you know I'm going five eleven. <laughs> five foot eleven winches. Um, all right, got him in. Uh, win as like win, like win loss. Um, but we only two together, people won this together. round. Uh, it's it's Aaron and Dan. Six Fuck. foot even. That's Ooh. all. Jakey Jones is backfire just like the aliens at Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> oh no! Yes, or some. I don't know. Fucking <sighs> this movie's Dan. about. Uh, it's about edging tomorrow, and I'm just like, brother, I'm edging today. Okay, so we let's keep. <laughs> Did you just going. say this movie is about edging to tomorrow? <laughs> uh, next, we're we're gonna pivot you, to the film. Jason, can uh, you get like a clip of that and just put that on the soundboard? <laughs> Sorry, someone took his phone. I have an appointment. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna yeah oh wait sorry oh god i just woke up wait we're recording uh we're gonna pivot to the film groundhog day which stars bill murray uh how tall no a uh, groundhog day was released in the year 1993 how old was bill murray in the year this movie came out aaron uh sorry what year was it released in uh yeah sorry i'll back up so this movie was released in the year up out of my computer <laughs> you you got a ti-83 there uh 1993 was the year this film, uh, that film rather, Groundhog Day, was released. And uh, my question for you is how old Bill Murray was in the year this movie came out? Um, how old do I think Bill Murray is? I mean, he's old. He's an old Um, I'm going to say he was 45. All right, 45. Got you down. Over to Dan. How old do you think Bill Murray was during Groundhog Day times? Um, I I gotta just give it give you props again, Cody. They're just the the weird stretches that you go to for some of these questions based on movies is phenomenal. I pull all They're, these you, muscles for you. You're the master of this. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say 38. All right, 38. Got you down. Uh, Harry, over to you. What do you think for this one? I'll split the difference and go 42. All righty, 42. And finally, Jason, what do you think? I'm going to say he was a cool, like, 50 years old. 50 years old. Yeah, I know All he's right, old as ass now, right? Like, that was 30 years ago. I feel like I feel like he might be close to 80. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, ass is pretty old. Uh, ass Bill be Murray. Old. Aspie Old, Bill Murray was born on September 21st in the year of our Lord, 1950, which puts him at age 43 in the year of uh, Groundhog Day's release. Uh, Harry was closest uh, by a year. Was, Aaron was very, oh, Aaron was also close. He was up by two. Like, half, half point. points. Get out of town. Well, I guess you did, um, to be <laughs> fair. Uh, but yeah, Thank sorry. you. <laughs> Close but no cigar. Um, so yeah, point point Harry. Uh, the scoreboard is as follows. Uh, we've got Aaron, Dan, Harry tied with one point apiece. Jason still yet to get on the board. Uh, unpopular opinion. It's still very much anybody's game. Uh, for question three, uh, we're going to get into some Outer Wilds action. No, we're not. Uh, we're going to move to the film... Happy Death Day, which uh, I think Letterbox tells me Dan and I have seen this movie and, and nobody else here, uh, which is fine. It's a great movie. Needs. 
it is. I, I like this movie. I like the sequel as well. I hope they make more. I don't know if they will. But uh, you know what? We'll talk about that more some other time. Uh, for now, we're talking... What is this? This is Tri-Loop, ladies and germs. Uh, for those unaware of what Happy Death Day is, I'm just going to do a quick little summation courtesy of Letterboxd. Caught in a bizarre and terrifying time warp, college student Tree finds herself repeatedly reliving the day of her murder, ultimately realizing that she must identify the killer and the, uh, the reason for her death before her chances of survival run out. Uh, that is the, the quick synopsis, which ultimately doesn't have to, a lot to do with this question. This long windup is going to continue as I read this little anecdote from the film's release. <clears throat> the film, which is set in New Orleans, has the killer wearing a mask, which in appearances is nearly identical to someone by the name of King Cake Baby, which is the official mascot of the New Orleans Pelicans basketball team. So that's something. Uh, Johnson, I'm going to go with Berticelli, the mascot's creator. Uh, he sued Universal Pictures and Blumhouse for copyright infringement, demanding that a portion of the movie's profits uh, be basically returned back to him. And as of 2019, the lawsuit had yet to be settled. All of that being said, my question for you all, what percentage of Happy Death Day's profits did the King Cake Baby Guy sue the Happy Death Day team for? Uh, looking for a percentage of profits. Uh, Aaron, Cody, I straight up one? thought you were going to ask us how tall that motherfucker was. <laughs> the, like, the guy who invented the mascot. <laughs> and a, a basketball is like, should the killer have been hooping? I don't know. <laughs> I So just, just real quick. Um, why why uh-huh. couldn't the, why couldn't she just not get murdered? <laughs> You know, you're gonna have to watch the movie and find out if they do. Uh, yeah, if they if they do a time loop series or like a mid twenty teens horror slate, if John schedules it in, yeah. we'll watch it and we'll talk about it. Um, but I'm prohibited okay. by. I'm gonna read the laws. Wikipedia summary right after okay. this, maybe even during this. But we'll. Um, uh, I'm I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with. You know, I'm gonna go with fifteen percent of profits. 15% of profits. Got you down. Uh, Dan, over to you. Where are you aligning with this? Uh, with your background as someone who um, litigates, enforces the law, serves as a, a lawyer, or at least you know a tall person in a lawyer-looking trench coat Did you that's say on he your f- side. forces the law? Uh, <laughs> what is he, Judge I, Dredd? <laughs> I maybe said enforces. Wait, are you not Judge uh, Dredd? I, I actually do Moonlight as Judge Dredd in my, in my <gasps> lawyer oh. trench coat. <laughs> Hell yeah. You know, I've seen a lot of um, stupid lawsuits, especially ones like this, because I find them fascinating. Somehow I didn't know about this one, so I'm going to probably pull up the docket and uh, check out that complaint later on. But um, I, I, I'm I, really torn that this guy probably went for a lot, um, but I'm going to say 40%. Alrighty, 40%. Got that down, etched in a concrete slab. It's already being shipped off to a mountain somewhere. Harry, over to you. What percentage are you going with? I'm just going to shamelessly ride Dan's coattails as the most informed uh, and go with like 41%. <laughs> Sorry, wow. Dan. All right, 41%. Uh, Jason, over to you. The the last uh, and final and concluding guess for this round, uh, and I guess the rest of the rounds and the preceding rounds, as by virtue of your name starting with a J. What do you think for this one? I think... I think 30%. 30 por ciento. Uh, reportedly, 
50% of Happy Death Holy Day's profits were shot shit. by Berticelli. Um, Secure the bag, King. Let's go. Uh, I'm currently uh, reading I'm, the Wikipedia summary, and that's a so much money. <laughs> I mean, um, the, the box office thing is just to the right. That's crazy. Sorry. How much would that have question. been, Aaron? How much would that <laughs> have been, Aaron, to date? Well, so the box office <laughs> revenue box. was $125.5 million. <laughs> So Which in today's dollars is well over a billion. Mill for a mask that looked like a mask he made. Yeah, my well, man, yeah, is going for it. He was like, "That's my mascot. I deserve <laughs> to never have to work again." <laughs> Listen, you see your shot, bucks. you take it. I don't blame him. Yeah, I respect honestly. Yeah, just, the grift is the, on. The, right. My only regret is that I, I, I underplayed. I, I thought that he might play a little conservatively. I was thinking. I was shooting to go at least 60% Whoa. potentially for this. So that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. You got to shoot your shot. Um, the Pelicans certainly did. They weren't doing very well as a team. If memory serves around this time that that movie came out, but that's a separate discussion for a separate day. Um, more to the point. Hey, we're at question four. Still anybody's game. Uh, Harry has a commanding lead two to one to one to zero. Um, but like I said, the game is still anybody's um, right now. It's just mine, which Whatever. Uh, for question four, we'll hit on Palm Springs. It's that uh, that time loop film starring Andy Samberg and, and Kristen Milioti. This uh, this movie had the distinction of being one of the most successful. I was, I'm kind of editorializing, but kind of one of the most successful direct to streaming films pretty much ever for a lot of reasons. Uh, it was unofficially one of the more definitive quarantine era films, with it being released digitally on Hulu on July 10th, 2020. It's the date I've got. Uh, despite being effectively a streaming exclusive movie, uh, Palm, uh, Palm Springs did bring in a box office haul through showings at select drive-in theaters. So my question for you all, what is the global box office total intake for Palm Springs Aaron Grossman question mark well let's see if it's only it's only drive-in theaters and uh i mean you gotta imagine not that much drive-in theaters probably 27 million from florida which did remain open i mean the, um no i don't uh five hundred thousand. <laughs> no uh that's so little money though um 1.2 that's so much for a yeah, one point two million. One point two million. Alrighty, got you down, Dan. Over to you. What uh, what are you thinking, you little box office maestro? You man, calling it global makes me really, really wonder how this is gonna go. But I don't know how that movie would play overseas. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it brought in a cool three mil. Three million doll hairs. It's a lot of doll hairs. Um, for what it's worth, Harry, over to you. What, uh, what you thinking? Maybe hundred. That uh, maybe or for sure. Yeah, lock me down, okay. Daddy. Okay, <laughs> you're, you're no problem, Sunny Jim. Uh, my brain is fried. Jason, what uh, what do you think for this? I think everybody here is overestimating just how many drive-in theaters there must. be be in the world i i think this movie brought like seventy eight thousand dollars just a just a curiosity Alrighty, seventy eight thousand doll hairs which to be frank still a lot of doll hairs palm springs brought in approximately 1.5 million dollars at the global box office um 
about 1.3 million of which did come from outside of the US. Um, that was sort of a tough one to juggle because like it did make money and it was released in other countries that were probably admittedly, uh, admittedly handling COVID a lot better than we were. Um, so uh, there are yeah, a little sprinkling of, of drive-in theaters, but like still a negligible amount of money from the global market. I think we ultimately ended up around where I wanted to. Um, but yeah, uh, fun with words, fun with money. Um, and hey, fun with Edge of Tomorrow and time travel. We've got one more question here. The scoreboard reads as follows. We got. Oh, yeah, sorry. Who Aaron- got the point on that last one? Oh, yeah, you did. You were closest. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Ding, 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 ding. No, uh, whatever. Up, I don't have uh, it in me. Paul Dano moaning.mp3, maybe? We haven't. Come on. We haven't gotten that all episode. We haven't, we haven't put that. Sorry. Zencast is going really slowly. Bear with me. Bear with me, please. That's uh, fair. Don't, don't say I need. Don't I need to anything. catch my breath. Just, just wait. Yeah, just get a, get a drink of water or something. Zencaster really is playing this up real high. And we got uh, three, two, one. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> wow. Wait, no? Okay. <laughs> you didn't. Okay. <laughs> oh. One more time. I mean, why not? <laughs> there is, Thank in you. fact, a little infinity button that if I press it. <laughs> It's what I'm trying to when I'm playing uh, Street Fighter Online and I'm just getting my ass absolutely <laughs> handed to me. That's Harry's apartment at 3 a.m. That is the safest place for your mind fighter. to go for that joke. I appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, shout out to Polly D. As always, please come on the pod. Uh, the scoreboard reads as follows: We got Aaron with two points, uh, picking up uh, one of those points in the last question. Harry with two points. Dan with a point. Jason still have yet to get on the board. I'm gonna. It bears repeating. It bears repeating. Still, very much anybody's game. And in the thousands of times that we've run through this naughty segment, I've reiterated that at this point, time and time again. Um, but hey, this can still go any number of ways. Um, and I think Dan called my shot there by writing what I said on a notepad and then holding it up. Very blank check podcast. <laughs> well, you, to be Dan, fair, this but, uh, is the thousandth time he's recorded this podcast. He's right, been I saw this, this podcast over and over <laughs> because we murder him at the end of this. Right. To restart I just know the, the only way out of this is to not win the game. <gasps> ah, the only way to not win the game is to not play. And here we are, gentlemen. We are certainly playing the game for this fifth Ouch. and final question. Yeah. We will call upon the uh, original iteration of Jumanji, the tried and true original, the best one of the franchise, uh, which has its own unique time loop problem. Uh, 1995's Jumanji uh, was released in the year 1995. What I'm going to do is list four films that were released in the year of our Lord 1995. And what I'm going to ask each of you all to do is rank them in order of most to least popular going by letterboxed popularity. So you'll get a point for it, and y'all already know how this works. But if this is your first episode for whatever uh, for whatever reason, this is how it's going to go. They'll get a point for each correctly slotted movie. And so, again, there are going to be four movies total in the mix. So if they get the order perfectly correct, they'll get four points. If they split the difference, get two of them right, they get two points, and so on and so forth. You, you get it. Uh, with that, I will now read the list of movies y'all are trying to rank from most to least popular going by Letterboxd. Magical metrics. We've got, and these are in alphabetical order. We've got Batman Forever. We've got Ghost in the Shell. We've got Jumanji. And finally, 12 Monkeys. 
And hey, would you look at that? Two of those previous episodes. Isn't that wild? Uh, so again, these gentlemen, I'm vamping a little to give them time to think. They are ranking them in order of most to least popular, going by letterboxed popularity. So that's like frequency of logs. Um, and again, those movies are Batman Forever, Ghost in the Shell, Jumanji, and 12 Monkeys, all films released in the year 1995, um, which from this point is, uh, give or take uh, a little bit of time, 28 years ago, um, which I regret thinking about uh, because I'm now faced with my own mortality. Uh, Aaron, yeah. are, do you, do you yeah. got a, an order queued up? I do most uh, least, right? Yes. Yes. Yep. Yep. Descending order. Um, if, if that phrasing is preferable, I got it. Uh, I'm going to regret this, but I'm going most as ghost in the shell. I am going second as Batman forever. I am going third as Jumanji and fourth as 12 monkeys. Alrighty, gotcha. I'm just going to read those back to ensure accuracy. We've got Ghost in the Shell, followed mm-hmm. by Batman Forever, followed yeah. by Jumanji, and then yep. 12 Monkeys. Got it. Cool, cool. Alright, got those locked in. Over to you, Mr. Nagin. Dan, where'd you, where'd you end up with these? Alright, um, I gotta, I gotta follow uh, Aaron's lead here. I, uh, there's a lot of dorks on Letterboxd. I think Ghost in the Shell is going to be number one. Followed by Jumanji, Twelve Monkeys, and uh, Batman Forever. Okay, uh, you cut out there just to make sure. Twelve Monkeys is third. Yes, Twelve Monkeys okay. is third, and then Batman okay. Forever, and then Batman Forever. Okay, perfect. Wanted to make sure I got that. I will read the entirety of them back. Uh, so your order, top to bottom. I've got Ghost in the Shell, followed by Jumanji, followed by Twelve Monkeys, and then finally Batman Forever. Is that what you had? That is correct. Okay. Well, here, I'll I'll be the judge of whether or not it's correct. But uh, yeah, I'm just kidding. I, I know what you, I know what you mean. I'm just being a I'm being a little shyster. Uh, Harry, over to you. What order did you end up with? Yeah. Um. I've been disappointed by Letterboxd, and it's be, been far more um, I guess populist than I expected. So I'm going to go. Batman Forever is number one, followed by Jumanji. Ghost in the Shell third, and finally 12 Monkeys. Alrighty, and I'm going to read those back. I heard Batman Forever, followed by Jumanji, followed by Ghost in the Shell, and then bringing up the rear 12 Monkeys. Is that accurate? To That's correct, yep. Or it's accurate, gotcha. excuse me. I yes. know, I, I, I'm not going to get on your guys' case. I'm not going to poke holes in your grammar and diction just that one time dan thank you for being a very good sport um feel free to speak freely um but not right now because it's it's jason's turn jason what was your order speak never dan uh my order is jumanji at number one i'm gonna say 12 monkeys is number two i'm gonna say batman forever is number three and number four that's gonna be ghost in the shell baby all right ghost in the shell comma baby And reading those back, I've got Jumanji, followed by 12 Monkeys, followed by Batman Forever, and then bringing up this particular rear, Ghost in the Shell. Is that what you had? Correct. Alrighty. Okie doke. I'm just doing some tabulations, and I I think we've uh, we've come to it. Just want to get ahead of it so it doesn't get lost in the shuffle. Thank you, gentlemen, very much for participating. This has been Triloop. This has been Triloop. Thank you very much. This has been Triloop. Thanks, gentlemen, for participating. Uh, the correct order of these films, from most to least popular, going by Letterboxd, Popularity Metrics, 
is as follows. Up top, we've got Jumanji. Yes. Followed by 12 Monkeys. No, 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 no. This cannot. Followed by what? Ghost in the Shell. Uh, and then finally, Batman Forever. So if my tabulations are correct, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm, j- I'm gonna go in order of the alphabetical order, the same order we went down. Um, Aaron re- regrettably did not pick up any points in that last round, but he had two existing points from the rest of the game, so he's got two. Uh, Dan had a point and then picked up a point during that final round, so he ends up with two points for the game. Harry had two points and then picked up one during that last question, which puts him at three. And then Jason picked up two in that last question. Um, those were his points for the round. He ends up with two. Everybody had at least two points. And the person who exceeded that threshold this time around was one Harry Mackin, uh, who took a commanding lead with three Harry. This is your pop off such, uh, congratulations for winning this iteration of, of Triloop. Hey, uh, shout outs to my dad, uh, because during that Groundhog's Day question, I was like, Bill Murray's probably like 10 years older than my dad. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> big thanks to, uh, Mackin Senior for for the W this time around. He does not listen to the episodes and never will. But if he did, he would know that uh, he is being thanked. So thank you once more and good night. He should know Man, that he's that's loved. that's crazy to see Aaron get robbed like that. And just because of this, I'm going to shoot you in the head, Aaron. And we're going to take that from the top. I'm good. With- yeah. Dan's detour. We're taking a little deviation oh, from the ending here. I gotta get a sound effect nah. for that. It, we're gonna we're gonna play a little game that I like to call "Love Try Repeat," um, <laughs> <laughs> and this is going to be a game focusing on movies that change their titles at some point, uh, oh, kind of coinciding with um, you know. A fun fact that is always brought up on any of the Golden Berries is that uh, Trilove was almost called Trilon Dry Run at some point before it was had its name changed along the course of its existence. And similarly, there's a number of movies that have had their names changed, much like uh, Live, Die, Repeat became Edge of Tomorrow. So, gang, I got three movies for you. Um, I, I had a bit more, but... Um, you you all really like to say how often Edge of Tomorrow was uh, based off of a of a manga called uh, All You Need Is Kill. Mm-hmm. So I I'm knocking that off the off the board. <laughs> and uh, you know I'm going to give all of you three different clues for this. First clue, if you get it based off of the original title, you get five points. Hmm. If you get if you if no one can get it there. Second clue, going to be the tagline. You get three points. Final clue, one point based on the lead actors involved in the movie. Okay, so, I like this. I like is this, this. going to be a hands up so we, we, we put our little Zencast? I'm just going to go around. The- I, I think, yeah, hands up if you if you know it. If, if you guess based on it, you're out for that question okay. until we come up to the next one. So much like uh, Cody always likes to say... Um, Trivia Mafia rules apply. Use your noodles, not your Googles. Damn, I was there you just, go. just ready to Google these. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> mm, so you got nice me. fucking try, Chicago. Better <laughs> luck next time. This is Dan's detour, baby. <laughs> Sometimes the rules are the same, but otherwise the attitude is completely different. <laughs> First movie up for y'all. The original title was once going to be Tonight He Comes. 
Jason Daphnis. Do you have a guess for Tonight He Comes? I'm going to guess that this was The Terminator. That's a great question. That's a great answer. It's incorrect. I I figured I'd swing swing big. I, I really love that energy. And speaking of that energy, here comes Harry. I saw your hand next. What is your guess? I'm going to try Nightmare on Elm Street. Ooh, another great guess. <laughs> another guess that is incorrect. Aaron, what is your guess? Uh, this is absolutely not correct. Night of the Hunter? I wish. No, that is incorrect. <laughs> Unfortunately, so, a lot of movies in the annals of uh, cinematic history about men coming. So um, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm going to hold, uh, hold Pat and wait for, uh, wait you for mean more Infinity clues. Pool? I'll give I'll give you all a, a clue. This is not uh, the Green Knight either. <laughs> yes, Dan and I no. made the same joke with two different movies. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> so the tagline for this movie, one of many available, is "Bad behavior, bad attitude, real hero." So remember, the original title for this was "Tonight He Comes." The tagline: "Bad behavior, bad attitude." Real hero. Harry, do you have a guess for this movie? Hancock? There's that deleted scene. (laughs) Y'all got this right. It's Hancock. The star of Oscars 2022, The Slap, Will Smith. (laughs) How does tonight... How does that... What? Hancock. That's the original Tonight he comes, motherfucker. Tonight he comes. So, just for for, uh, Aaron's enjoyment, for a bonus point... How tall is Will Smith? <laughs> Will Smith, yes. uh, 6'2". That's actually correct, Aaron. You get Give a me damn God. point. Give me, let's go. I was also going to say 6'2", so I'll just... Yeah. Uh, uh, you know what, Cody? You get a bonus <laughs> point for that. <laughs> Woo! Thanks, Dan. Oh, I always okay. like to. Uh, Aaron, for the indignity of that, I'll give you a second bonus point. <laughs> okay, thank you. And, I like Harry, the you here. get three points for answering based on the tagline. <laughs> Oh, I forgot that. I Which does not mean as much as it thing. did a second ago, but uh, it still feels good. Thank you. I'm still but, but Dan's friendship still means a lot to me. <laughs> right? So I'm trying to milk more absolutely. points. I'll stop. So the next movie, the original title is Dead Alive. Is anyone familiar with this? Oh, I, I think you, you all raised Aaron your hands was up a, the a same. second okay. earlier than I was. All right. Very uh, generous. This is wrong. I believe I have heard of this, but I, we're going to go with Evil Dead. No, that is incorrect. Harry, was that going to be your guess as that well? That was also going to be my guess. Mm, Make mm. a guess, bro. You might as well. You're uh, thinking in the right spot. Oh, Any man. other guesses based on Dead Alive as the original title? Jason. Night of the Living Dead? Oh, I was already. I that's had my also hand still up. incorrect. All right, Harry, that's fair. watch yourself. Up, you might lose a point. <laughs> Dead Alive. Um, I don't fucking know. I, silence. Okay. That is not what? silence. <laughs> oh, it's Martin Scorsese movie. <laughs> <laughs> Cody, well, uh, do you have a guess? Uh, yeah, as long as this doesn't... Yeah, since uh, it seems like we get to guess with, with each successive clue, I'll go ahead and take a swing. Um, 28 Days Later. I love Sir that. Sir Danny Boyle. I love that guess. Absolutely not. Another movie with Brendan Gleeson. God, man, you gotta love that guy, right? He, I he's, do love that he's guy. He's terrific. So, the tagline, which may not help, some things won't stay down, dot, 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 even after they die. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hmm. Again, the original title, Dead Alive. That tagline, not helpful. <laughs> Cody. Is it Pet Cemetery? No, I love Damn that it. guess. Aaron? Day of the Dead? No, that is not Day of the Dead. Jason? Uh, Jack Frost. I wish it was Jack Frost. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I'm good. You know what, Jason? I love that answer. You're going to get a point for that. Yes! <laughs> Le Papa Petit Noel. Harry? Can, can I try guess? Dawn of the Dead? Ooh. I wish it was. It's not. So, final clue for y'all. There are no notable actors that I think that you would recognize oh from this movie. So I'm going to tell you that the director of this movie is one Peter Jackson, director of Lord of the Rings. This was one of his first movies before he became a cultural sensation. Aaron, is, do you have a is guess? Is it uh, Devil's Backbone? No, no, that is Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> That's Guillermo del Toro, dog. I forgot what this fucking movie is Another called. great movie. <laughs> I remember looking at this movie up recently because it's like not streaming anywhere. And I, and I apparently I was like, well, I'm not going to remember the name of this movie for any future <laughs> podcast games. Why would you ever need to know this movie's title? <laughs> yeah. Oh, this no is, this is coming one that in my has life. a dun, dun, dun. poster that is like ingrained in my in my memory because of seeing it at video stores. Mm. Uh, I get the feeling you're going to say the name and I'm going to like V8 slap because I know that I've looked into Peter Jackson's backlog, like his filmography. I know that I've seen the names. I know, but I had no idea he had anything mm-hmm. that was framed like this, though. This is a crazy movie, absolutely insane. I have no guesses. I mean, oh, I know Kong. it. I know it. <gasps> uh, <Cody>? Jack Frost. <laughs> no, I do respect that energy. I'm gonna Thank give you, you half a point. <laughs> okay, you know what? I'll take it. Yeah, uh, it's a repeat fraction. I'm sorry. I know it's, and you know what? It's a good bit. All right, sorry. Continue. It's a good What's bit. it? What's this movie called? Unless the, any of you fellas the, have a, a shot. Harry, do you guess. have a guess? No. The movie's er, the movie's title in the U.S. is Brain Dead. Oh, uh, you cut out for a second for me. Could you repeat that? The movie's title is Brain Dead. Oh, okay. Ah. I do recall that now. Yeah. Damn it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bummer. Gotta watch that movie. So, Man. third, third movie that we have here. The original title is The Boat That Rocked. Who? Does anyone know this? Ooh, Aaron, I saw your hand go up first. Yep, he was first. Uh, I'm not going to go Titanic. Uh, the Poseidon Adventure. It's great. That's a great guess. That's a great guess. I'm be upset. It's not but... correct. Cody, uh, what is your guess? Is, th- is this... Uh, pirate Radio. Holy shit, he got it. It is Pirate Radio. Damn. Better believe it. Philip Seymour Hoffman, right? Philip Seymour Hoffman as the lead, Bill Nighy, and Nick Frost. Whoa. The tagline for this is, one boat, eight DJs, no morals. Fuck. (laughs) So that's five whopping points for Cody. Yeah, holy shit. Did you you know that, or are you just making a best guess based on the title? No, no, I I knew that. I remember, yeah, because it came out like what late high school, early college mm-hmm. at least for me, and it was just and like starting to keep track of like trailers, oh yeah. yeah, like movies coming out, and then I lost sight of it for a while, and then it was like oh, this movie with a yeah. completely different name, uh, Power it Radio, bombed or- in the UK, and so they changed right. the title. Yep, 
I was like, oh, wow, that's, it's interesting that, uh, that that movies. rose to the surface. You know, it floated mm. to the top <laughs> again, like a, like a boat. Hmm. So like a I, boat. I actually do see, I have another two that I forgot about. They're on a Ooh, different page of my notes. So, a detour within Dan's detour? <laughs> this is a detour <laughs> further into the detour. So <laughs> the next original title for this movie is $3,000. <laughs> what movie was originally going to be called $3,000? Aaron, do uh, you have a guess? <clears throat> Jack Frost. <laughs> yes, we gotta start taking bit, points away. It got Jack better. Frost, Jack Frost. got better. You get an extra point for that. <laughs> Thank you. I, I thought that would be one more rule of threes. You know what I mean? Listen, I I love references to that movie because it's got a crazy lenticular cover and it's fantastic. I've seen that movie literally a hundred times. I've it's some regrets, it's but a not a lot of regrets. Jason, what is your guess? Uh, based on nothing, I mean, guess seven psychopaths. That's an interesting guess. That is incorrect, though. Does anyone else have a guess for $3,000? Ooh, Cody? Uh, uh, this isn't it. Uh, Slumdog Millionaire. Uh, no, no whammies, no whammies. Absolutely. Mm. Really? I can't believe it. No, that's that's very fair. All right. Now, I think everyone is going to slam their hands up button when I give the tagline for this. She walked off the street into his life and stole his heart. Jason? La La Land. <laughs> no. No. I, are you kidding me? Are we... I'm going to feel like a real, real fucking Harry, shit. Walked, Breakfast at <clears throat> Tiffany's? No. I'm she shocked. She walked off the street into his life and stole his heart. Aaron? Per- pretty woman. Yeah. You got okay. it. Okay. Uh, now, for a bonus God. point, does anyone know why it was originally going to be called three thousand dollars? Hmm. Um. Because I don't that is how much it it costs for a call girl per night. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't. I, that was going to be my guess, bad. but I was like, that's kind of a gross thing to guess. Yeah. <laughs> so that's I'm why they that changed the title. That. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. you threw yourself on the altar of uh, male feminism, there, Harry. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Every now time. you don't. Let's hear. Yeah, now women. you don't get the points though. So who really everybody. wins? Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Pretty and otherwise. <laughs> you know what, Jason? For leading an applause break for women, I'm going to give you an extra point there. <laughs> I I must share my point with Harry. He initiated. I simply no. Absolutely. You all. You both get a half point. That's very Thank gentle, you. gentlemanly of you. <laughs> if, if I remember correctly. I'm sitting at one and a half points right now. That's correct. You have one and a half <laughs> okay. points. Harry, you okay. have three and a half points. <laughs> Cody, you have six and a half points. Damn. And Aaron has six points. So Ooh. some of you may be feeling disillusioned. Jason, don't worry because it could be anyone's game. Whoa. <gasps> I just need to be funnier. It's T-Tour. <laughs> the final movie that I have written down for this, the original title is... The 51st State. Again, the original title for this movie was The 51st State. Hmm. I'll I'll give you a bonus clue. They changed this title because in the United States, calling something the 51st State is a bit loaded. Yeah. Um... 
The first thing that came to mind, altered states. No. So <laughs> the fifty first tagline for this movie. <laughs> the tagline for this movie is nice wheels, dirty deals, and one mean mother in a kilt. Austin Powers? <laughs> I wish. I wish. I wish Austin Powers was going to be called the 51st state. <laughs> I wish he also wore a kilt. Harry, do you have a guess? Is it stop or my mom will shoot? <laughs> oh, boy. I wish. Did anyone see... I, I saw something recently where they conf- Schwarzenegger did confirm that he absolutely tricked Stallone I did see that. Stallone it fucking rocked, doing dude. It. I love that. King behavior. Points Good. for still for us, uh, you know. Points <laughs> Bonus for Stallone, points for Arnold for no Schwarzenegger, reason, and but Stallone, also for yeah. Schwarzenegger. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, apropos of nothing, I'm gonna guess uh, the A team, but I don't think anybody in the A team wears a kilt. But maybe they do. Mm, um, I don't. It think has nothing they do. to do with states. I don't think so. I I know it's wrong. I just I just like to be a part of the process. Aaron, I, do you have a guess? Uh, is it Braveheart? No, no, it's not. <laughs> You're reading a lot into the the term the kilt. Thing. Yeah, it's, <laughs> kind, of a, it's true. kind of a trigger. So that's it. That's what's happening. The lead actors in this movie are Samuel L. Jackson, Robert Carlyle, and Emily Mortimer. Aaron, no, take 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 back that hand raise. Um. <laughs> Now, I'm not surprised to see silence here because I also did not know this movie existed until I read, I looked up on this. I know the name Emily Mortimer, but I'm wondering why I can't place her face. I feel like that would make it a lot easier. Anyway, that's not an answer. Was she in, I think she was in Disney's The Kid. Hmm. I mean, she's been in a lot of stuff. I just don't, I don't know what Shout this is. Shout out to Disney's The Kid. Shout out. Dan, I think we're, I think you got a dry well over here. What's yeah, that? Well, sorry. Here, uh, Although I will say, Cody, no, I got you're correct. Yeah. She is in the kid. Yeah. <laughs> Does he get a half That's, point for that? I'm going to give you another, a point for that. I was going to say another movie I've seen, <laughs> maybe not a hundred times. I've seen that movie eighty nine times. Whoa. And so this Bruno. is a movie called Formula Fifty One. Oh, never wow. even heard of it. No, never heard That's of it. Wild. So Samuel Jackson, though. Let me uh, let me just. I'm going to refer back to the points here. So, rounding out the bottom here, Jason takes it away with 1.5 points. But rounding really, out the bottom as usual. Am I right? If, if you think bottom. about it, the real winner here was women. Yes, and Jason, you helped sure. lead the applause break for them. So, like, bravo! Thank you, thank you. I, it's Harry, a round of applause for Jason. Not really. Please go. Took in 3.5 points. Sharing a point with Jason for for queuing it up for women. Aaron coming in at six points. Very, very close. But Cody managing to take it home with seven and a half points for not only knowing Pirate Radio based off of the original title, but also for remembering Emily Mortimer is in Disney's The Kid. That Yeah, that really you know, brought you home. If you if you'd have told me when I was a wee little lad that spending countless hours watching and rewatching and rewatching, kind of like, like I was stuck in a time loop, perhaps, but just rewatching mm. movies like like Jack Frost and Disney's The Kid, that that would someday pay off in any meaningful way, I would have told you, nah, I don't think so. I'm just a kid. What do I know? And you what did I no, know? No, you would have said, I'm going to grow up to be a podcaster, <laughs> and then you would have jumped out of. 
Second story been, window. Like, what's a podcast? What's a Wait, podcast? Who yeah, are okay, you? Wait, yes. What's up with your hair? Uh, I would have said any number of things to myself in the future, but I'm glad that this has paid off. And this was, it was such a treat playing this. I've been looking forward to having another detour for such a long time. Um, and, and I don't know. Hey, maybe I'm just speaking for myself. The legend himself but... wins. <laughs> oh, stop. The, and that's honestly, the other thing. You know, the, you I hate being on the other side somebody. of this. Sure. Well, they, man, you know what? Shout out, shout outs to you all. Dan, if I could give you all of my points, um, I would, but I don't think I can unless the rules of the game. No, they're not refundable. I'm sorry. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> then I'll, then I'll take them and just thank you for, for this nope, award. Gift I, receipt on these shits. Well, then, in the absence of a gift receipt on these shits, uh, I will just say thank you both for closing out our segments uh, and closing out our episode in such fun and uh, 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 flamboyant fashion. Dan, one of these times you got to come on our show and not have a Dan's detour, not because it's not fun, because because you got to keep us on our toes. There's got to be the risk that, like, yeah, that something mm-hmm. doesn't happen. Oh, I thought, I thought, I thought waiting until after the noties was inspired because I thought he yes. was going to go before the noties. And I was like, wow, is there not a detour this time? Didn't happen. But we'll I get considered, there. I considered, I thought of a lot of ways that I could do it. In fact, I'll, I'll, I'll take you behind the scenes. I had two potential segments for this prepared Whoa. because I didn't know what okay. Cody was going to do. But In- Cody did oh my movies God. that had time loops, so I didn't use that one. <laughs> oh, my God. Dan, you are so fucking prepared. You know what? We'll have to have you on more than once every 24 episodes or whatever it's been since the last time you were on for Mandy. Yeah, don't, uh, don't give me enough time to prepare like this and <laughs> over-prepare. <laughs> love that you were. Uh, where can people find you before the next time that you're on Try Love? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me online on Twitter at AdapterDanMan. You can find me on Instagram and Letterboxd at Dan Nagan. Um, you can also find my podcast, uh, Everything We Learned, just by looking for Everything We Learned. Um, and you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just take a moment to also plug, uh, my, my good friend, Matt has a YouTube series called One Inv. It's a snowflake, uh, original runescape playthrough. Find him at Moopsh, M-O-O-P-S-H, because he's more active on there than I am on my podcast at the moment. (laughs) Okay, I appreciate you sharing the clout. Be the little rain gutters for some clout. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, also find me on uh, Final Fantasy fourteen at uh, Hulk Smashworth on the Diablo server, right? Yeah, <laughs> on uh, the Diablo server. Yeah, <laughs> wonderful. Uh, well, look for Dan's podcast. Everything we learned. Follow him on Twitter at Adapter Dan Man and on Letterboxd. Uh, thank you so much, Dan, for being here once again. Come again soon. Um, and thank absolutely. you, listener. It's, for- it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me back. Of course. Uh, and thank you listeners for, you know, paying attention to another episode of this podcast. Another episode that goes almost as long, if not a little bit longer than the movie we're covering. Love it when that happens because Did I we cover a movie on this podcast. <laughs> if he, here he's, what is he doing with that gun? Uh, we Oops, have all detours. We're going to have, we're going to have a bunch more cool shit the rest of this year. So subscribe where if you're listening or do whatever, I'm not very good at promoting the podcast, but the Trilon is the thing that you should really be focusing on here. Anyway, Trilon.org to find out the programming schedule, Trilon Cinema to find uh, some tweets that probably could have descriptions or links in them, but often it's just like a piece, a single piece of collateral that's supposed to tell you to go do something. They got to bump, bump up their marketing resources. You got to have a CTA. You got to have a clear next step. I'm in marketing. We must, we must help them a little bit. But uh, follow them at Trilon Cinema on Twitter and Instagram. Find them at Trilon.org to buy tickets. They've got a bunch of cool new merch lately. And there's the Trilon Club you can join. 
uh, secret screenings come with that and various pieces of discount merch and stuff. It's just a great, great time. So check it out at trilon.org. Until then, you can find me. I'm Jason Daphnis, and I help make this show. You can find me. Uh, you can find me. You can find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus. Uh, one thing that Dan didn't mention that he's particularly good at is waxing poetic about classic uh, Nicktoons. Um, hey Arnold in particular, uh, if you haven't already, uh, if you if you like Dan uh, and if you like Nick, uh, Nicktoons, if you like cartoons, if you like nostalgia, seek out the Dan Nagan episodes uh, of this uh, little, uh, humble podcast called Stoop Kids. It's a Hey Arnold podcast. There's a co-host named Emily who's really cool. I don't really know anything about the other co-hosts. They, they suck big Heine, um so <laughs> disregard that um the super producer is probably i don't know anything about him either but they probably have a super producer who may or may not have a super producer shirt that uh that he's wearing right now um uh, <laughs> dan, listener dan just, just dan stood up and immediately went out of frame because he's nine feet tall uh but his his shirt is, is a nicholas cage <laughs> In the font of Mandy from the last episode I appeared on. Holy uh, shit, that was funny. Oh my god, I'm losing it. I, I can't keep it together. I've been Cody Narvison. You can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. I've been Harry Mackin, and if you're lost, you can look and you will find me time after time at Shiitake Harry on Twitter. Uh, my name is Aaron. You can find me on Twitter at please. I see everyone is having a productive morning. You know what gives me a swell of pride, knowing soldiers of your caliber will be leading the charge tomorrow. Tip of the spear, edge of the knife, crack of my ass. <laughs>